and unwelcome. The drafter wanted out of the Democratic People's Republic of Korea, the country-sized prison commonly called North Korea, immediately, if not sooner. The drafter's real name was Sung Kwan, Dr. Sung Kwan. He was a scientist in North Korea's nuclear program and by far the most important asset the United States had in North Korea. Asset was a rather clinical way to describe Sung, who was, after all, a person, not a spy satellite or a well-placed bug. But the term was fitting, for Sung had told the United States exactly where the North Koreans held their nuclear weapons, information that was priceless. Most analysts outside the CIA thought that North Korea hid its nukes in caves, hoping to keep them safe from an American airstrike. They were wrong. In fact, the nukes were kept in a warehouse in Pyongyang, North Korea's capital. The dear leader, Kim Jong-il, wanted them close by, protected by the same army regiment that provided his personal security. Now the USS Lake Champlain, a guided missile cruiser in the Sea of Japan, had a dozen Tomahawk missiles targeted on the building. If the order came, the Tomahawks could turn the warehouse into rubble in minutes. All thanks to Song. And now he wanted an emergency exfiltration. No wonder Vinnie Dudo was upset. Sung was a careful spy. He had met American agents only three times, each time in Pakistan, outside the Orwellian gaze of the North Korean secret police. But now something had gone wrong. In his message, Sung said he was concerned for his safety and believed he needed to get out of North Korea. He didn't explain more. At Langley, the officers on the North Korea desk struggled to make sense of Sung's message. How did he know he was about to be taken in? Had he been interrogated? Or had he been arrested already, strung up and left to rot? In that case, the pickup request was nothing more than bait. An SOS from a man who had already drowned meant to lure would-be rescuers into an ambush. The CIA responded to Sung with its own shortwave broadcasts, asking him for more detail. But as the days ticked by, the listening station at Boniface remained quiet. Finally, Duto decided that the agency had to send in a team. Without proof that the message was a trap, Langley couldn't ignore Sung's plea. The agency always promised its moles to respond if they asked for help. The vow was both a moral obligation and a recruiting tool. Moles needed to believe that their agency handlers shared the risks they took. Three men were going in. Beck, the leader, was a former Navy SEAL, now a senior officer in the agency's special operations group. He was accompanied by Seth Kong, a Korean-American operative who'd infiltrated North Korea before, and Choi Gu, a lieutenant in the South Korean Navy. All knew the risks of this mission, but they couldn't say no. Not once they understood the stakes. The Phantom looked fast, even when it wasn't moving. The boat was matte black, narrow and long, with an arrow-shaped hull that came to a razor-sharp tip. It was a cigarette boat, the kind favored by drug runners for quick trips in calm seas. But in place of an open deck, like most cigarette boats, the Phantom had a cabin cover its cockpit, topped by a small forest of microwave dishes. Its windows were two-inch-thick, bullet-resistant glass. For extra range, the Phantom carried three gas tanks that held 600 gallons in all. For extra protection, its hull was coated with Kevlar. 
and for extra speed it had twin Mercury engines that threw out 650 horsepower apiece. At full throttle, it ran at 70 knots. Langley had given Beck carte blanche to decide how to pull off Sung's extraction. A helicopter was out. The North Koreans operated radar stations every few miles on the coast. Beck had considered using a fishing trawler before deciding on the Phantom. The boat was practically invisible on radar and surprisingly quiet, thanks to the oversized mufflers on the Mercury's. Plus, if the North Koreans were waiting for them, a speedboat would give them a chance of getting away. The Phantom was based in Miami, where the CIA and Drug Enforcement Agency used it to chase drug traffickers around the Caribbean. Three days before, the agency had chartered a cargo jet and flown in the boat, landing it at Osan Air Base outside Seoul to avoid pesky Korean customs agents. Beck and his men had spent two nights...